This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at dcaureview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 112 of DCAU Review. I am Liam, and with me, as he always is, is Cal. And Cal, we are wrapping up our latest stay in the world of Metropolis, or the city of Metropolis, I guess I should say. We're wrapping up our Superman month. That's right. Uh, We have somehow made it through the month of June, which uh, did indeed follow the month of May and April and March. Um, all of these months feel like years now. So, but uh, <laughs> congratulations, we we've made it through, and uh, we are wrapping up this month with a season three episode of Superman the Animated Series. That being Obsession, which features the return of Toy Man, which is uh, exciting for multiple reasons. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about maybe a little bit later. He, uh, this is not his final appearance in the DCAU, as we know that he comes back to make uh, multiple appearances after this, but uh, we, this is his final appearance in Superman the Animated Series. Yeah, and it's a, it's a really interesting episode. It's an interesting concept. There's a, a bit of a twist and turn uh, to the story of it, and we'll, we'll, of course, get to all those details, Cal. But uh, before we do, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, as I always do, uh, hit us with the official IMDb synopsis for this episode. We don't do any unofficial stuff for this. It's official IMDb synopsis only. And I That's don't think right. I mentioned, I don't. I did not mention this, but this episode originally debuted back on November 15th, 1998. So we are just a little uh, coming up on the 22-year anniversary of this episode. There you go. And yes, this is the synopsis for the episode Obsession, which was written by Paul Dini, Andrew Duncan, and Ron Fogelman directed by Dan Reba, with music by Shirley Walker, and animation by Coco slash Dong Yang. And that synopsis reads as such. A mysterious fashion model is stalked by an obsessed supervillain who is smitten with her. Okay, that's not that's not IMDb's best work, Cal, so we're actually going to have to do a little bit of the heavy lifting in, uh, in, uh, in our plot section this week. Yeah, yeah, uh, we're gonna have to get, break it down, do a little, do a little more work. It's a good thing I stretched before we started tonight because <laughs> I, that was that was pretty, uh, pretty pitiful. But yeah, uh, this actually brings back the return of one Lana slash Lana Lang, depending on your uh, preferred uh, pronunciation of her first name. Uh, so it's the I prefer Lana. If are you Lana or Lana? I'm Lana because that's how it was pronounced on Smallville and. Uh... You know, you always hold on to Smallville, so. Sure, sure, sure. That's what they say anyway. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I, I go with Lana just because it just flows easily, you know, more easy say, for me. Hey, let's call the whole thing off. You know, you say <laughs> Lana, I say Lana. Let's, let's let's just call the whole thing off. But yes, hey, 
you got the song you got a song there <laughs> you're not careful uh but yeah we we got the return of uh miss lang to the uh dcau as we mentioned earlier in the month we covered the episode my girl which you can hear in the archives at dcaureview.com uh we just covered that one just a few episodes ago but uh, we have her returning and she's got a fashion show that she is featuring in uh in in uh in metropolis uh and wouldn't you know it her star model happens to be this girl named Darcy. Uh, we find out uh, very shortly that she is being targeted. It looks like she's being trying to be kidnapped. Uh, the reveal shortly thereafter is is that it is Toyman himself who appears to be somewhat creepily obsessed with her. Uh, there's multiple attacks that try, uh, you know, he sends a, a giant kangaroo, we'll talk about that in visuals, I'm sure, <laughs> uh, to her apartment. And as Clark is sort of trying to investigate, he sort of realizes he goes to her apartment. There's no food in her apartment. There's no clothes in her apartment, no pictures, no hint of who this girl is. But he's using his investigative skills. He's sort of deduced that there's something beyond what she's told the police and what she's been telling her uh, her boss, Lana Lang. Uh, of course, we find out that she is, in fact, spoiler alert, a robot. <laughs> um, right. During the attack with with the giant kangaroo, her face gets thrown into a mirror and she gets this like scratch, I guess, in her synthoid skin. So Lana happens to bump into her late at night at the uh, Lana Lang Towers, and she's got a got a blowtorch that she's using on her face. Um, <laughs> there's a weird part, kind of twist that suddenly Darcy sort of turns on Lana for some reason, and there's like a fight that ensues, and a and and a, a like a fight between the two of them. Superman has to rescue Lana, and then in that brouhaha, Darcy is is captured by Toy Man. And then there's a final battle between uh, Toy Man and, and, and Superman as uh, he's Toy Man realizes or Darcy realizes she's been programmed to not be able to actually kill Toy Man. Despite these feelings mm-hmm. that she's developed, she's no longer this sort of sentient robot. She's become a robot with feelings and desires and wants to be separated from this person that created her and uh you know but unfortunately her programming won't allow her to kill toy man himself so instead she destroys the helicopter that they're escaping in and uh yeah of course spoiler alert again we learn that she didn't somehow die in the helicopter crash and she and who who or whatever is in her suitcase will live to fight another day yeah that's uh that's that's something that's really interesting to me because uh, though we haven't reviewed some of those episodes, there's kind of a pattern of robots in the DCAU becoming sentient and defying their original programming. Versus, you know, with the the Batman robot in Silicon Soul, or certainly Zeta later on, and here with Darcy. But my my thing with with this uh, that that I think irks me a little bit. Maybe that's not the right word, but that bothers me a little bit about this plot is. You establish that obviously she must have some very sophisticated AI that the Toy Man has created for her. Sophisticated enough that she could learn and develop feelings independent of what was programmed into her. So she could overcome that part of her programming where she was apparently just supposed to be like a companion robot girlfriend for the Toy Man. 
but she can't overcome the part where he says she's not allowed to to hit him. Um, so it's like, what, 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 may, what, like, what part of why was that part of her programming so insurmountable compared to the rest of her programming? Also, why does she have the ability to attempt to kill Lana, but not attempt to kill Toy Man? Uh, I mean, he says at one point she doesn't have the circuitry to kill him, but does that mean she also can't kill anybody else? Or it's just he programmed her th- so that she couldn't turn on him in that way? Yeah, the the limitations of, the, of what the programming was and the explanation is sort of uh, hazy at best, I would say. Yeah, like it would have been better to me if it's if it was more like the the Batman Beyond suit where Bruce has like the kill switch for it. Like if he had that that just like disabled her hardware. Sure. I feel like that would make more sense than it just like it's not programmed into you. But I would again, I would assume running away and becoming a fashion model was also not in her programming and she somehow overcame that. So, right. And then, and then, so that, and then towards the, even towards the final battle, there's this, you know, scene where she comes back, she attempts to like try and override her programming and kill him. She doesn't. Toy man says with a few small adjustments, I'll never love you. Never. I know there's a place for me in your heart. I just have to find it. He has to say that, uh, he, he says, I know that there's a place for me in your heart. I just have to find it. And he takes his drill out and very creepily the scene cuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next scene is her sort of sitting in this, uh, we didn't mention it already, by the way, but she's definitely like a, a playoff of Barbie. Um, yes. <laughs> so she's, she's in this, she's in this Barbie doll box in the next scene and she's just kind of there. There's no restraints. There's doesn't appear to be anything holding her there. So you would assume that there had been some reprogramming done. But then in the very next, very very next scene, in the f- almost final scene of the the episode, she she then overrides the programming again and starts destroying the helicopter because she doesn't want to go with him. So it's it's very inconsistent. Yeah, and again, it's funny because I think a lot of the setup to this episode is interesting because there's a mystery of who Darcy is. Uh, Obviously, at first, it's sort of just portrayed that, you know, uh, Toy Man is this kind of creepy fan. And then later, it turns out that, no, there's actually like this secondary, darker connection that they have that he created her, as you mentioned, and Lana kind of confronts her and she tries to kill Lana and sets sets the... uh, the high rise, I guess the LL headquarters on fire and then Superman comes in to save the day. I also don't quite get how Superman knew where Toy Man was at the end. Did I don't remember Darcy like telling Lana, like, I'm going to the Toy Man's headquarters behind that one billboard. Yeah, in passing she mentions the arcade. She says the toy man kept her in the arcade and okay. all he liked to do was play with toys. Okay. But are, are you are you to tell me that there's only one arcade in the in the city of Metropolis or did super did we miss a scene where Superman flew and visited all of the arcades <laughs> in the Metropolis area or Just shaking down every arcade in the entire city? <laughs> right. Uh, I, I I don't know. That that's a very good question. Um, as to as to how he discovered exactly where she was um, there 
We also, I, I, we've already talked about sort of the majority of the episode, but I'd be, re- be remiss not to bring up once again, because this was, if you recall, this was a plot point uh, in another episode featuring Jimmy Olsen. But uh, <laughs> we get the return of Horndog Jimmy Olsen for this He's episode. Just, he can cool. barely contain it. Like, he My just, goodness. <laughs> he uh, just... Just can't stop himself. You'd think he'd never seen a woman before. <laughs> LL offers a complete line of showstopper. I can't believe we're getting paid to do this. Covering some fashion show? That's why I became a reporter, Jimmy. Come on, Clark. You can't tell me you're not excited about interviewing Darcy Mason. She's only a model. Besides, what's there to talk about? Eyeliner? Watch out, Clark. You're going to burn a hole in those glasses. What do you mean? the way you're staring at her or is it just the suit it's also impossible to tell based on the way he dresses and talks and acts how old jimmy's supposed to be on this show i would assume at least like 18 but somewhere between like 18 and 21 like dick grayson age i guess and he's just he's such a weird little creep he, his opening lines, that lines from that opening scene are just, it's just so creepy. And then he tries to project his horn dogginess onto Clark by saying that Clark is going to burn a hole in his glasses, which obviously is a funny joke based on, you know, Superman's heat vision powers. Right. But yeah. uh, regardless, uh, I could could not go through this episode without bringing up that character again. <laughs> I don't I don't recall I don't recall where we last left this version of the Jimmy Olsen character. Maybe the the Volcana episode, maybe. Yeah, yes, I think that's absolutely right. Which you can hear in the archives at dcaureview.com if you want to hear the other <laughs> further adventures of Horn Dog Jimmy Olsen. Superman's horny pal. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> From here, I think we can, we can dig ourselves out of this weird hole and, uh, and just go ahead and give our scores here. Like I said, there's some sure. elements about this plot that I like. Um, if the execution had been better of the, of the third act, I think it could be much higher. But as it stands, I, I, I gave it a 6 out of 10. Uh, I gave it a very similar score. I gave it a 7 out of 10. I think the thing that made me score this a little bit higher um, is just how well, and we talked about it in the very first episode that we covered, uh, Fun and Games. Again, check that out in the archives at dcaureview.com. But just how well written this Toy Man character is, especially in comparison to previous incarnations of the Toy Man character. Um, He is creepy AF, um and on purpose i mean everything from his look uh from the you know the plastered smile uh, across his face that that doesn't show any emotion no matter what what is happening on the screen uh to just the overall creepiness factor of his voice uh which of course these are things we'll talk about in just a few moments but uh just how well the the character is written in such a creepy horror movie villain-esque um way that just makes this character uh, 
three-dimensional uh, in, in ways, in ways that we, we probably wouldn't have if he had stuck with his original writing and the original way that this character uh, was written in the comic books in the past. It's just, you know, we talked about that on the first episode. He was either sort of a short, fat guy that wore plaid and, you know, used toys in, in capers or was a toy inventor, or he was the Super Friends version, which looked like a, a court jester. And, you know, uh, I know that that version was also in the comics for some time. But, it, you know, again, his whole thing was, oh, he's just he uses toys in, in different capers. And it's like, OK, yeah, that's going to wear out very quickly. But the fact that this is a very creepy, creepy man who this is the second time. I mean, obviously, the first time was a real life human and being Lois Lane. But the second time he's had a storyline that where he's obsessed over making a female his companion, essentially. And uh, it is creepy and well-written and made for a decent adversary for somebody who's clearly not really a threat to, to Superman. Yeah, I, I do think that, that there is something there when you when you have a this sort of diminutive guy in this creepy mask. He really does, on the surface level, you think, well, this seems like more of a Batman villain or something. But... Though they come up with very creative ways where this guy can kind of uh, kind of be one step ahead and, and some of the, the really creative gadgets and uh, we'll talk about in just a second here in, in visuals. Uh, they really they really do create a, a compelling character and one that does become a believable foe for Superman, even if he's not a, a, a physical threat the way a Parasite or Bizarro or somebody is. Absolutely. All right, and we can move on here, Cal, to visuals, as we were just discussing. And this episode has a lot of really striking visuals. You mentioned how uh, a lot of Toy Man's dialogue, a lot of his motivations are kind of straight out of a horror movie. And there's a lot of those kind of, like, the way the, the, the scenes are shot, like, you'll get this, like, sort of looking, it'll be like the camera will be almost be lower, and you're kind of looking up at the creature or at Toy Man and in these very sort of strange ways with these shadows, they really create sort of a horror movie feel to a lot of this episode, even with something kind of silly, like the kangaroo, the giant (laughs) robot kangaroo. Like they do that, that sort of like low angle shot looking up at the kangaroo as it's sort of menacingly staring (laughs) down at Darcy. But then of course it has this goofy little smile on its face. Like, so they, they not only get some, some really creative horror elements in there, but they also kind of, in addition, use use that sort of horror element for a little bit of comedy, a little bit of visual comedy as well. Yeah, uh, there's there's a couple spots. So in, in the very first scene, as we mentioned, uh, during the fashion show, there are these three robots that are cl- clearly designed as action figures that have been sent to try and, and capture Darcy. And uh, at one point, Superman, uh, one of them is a sheriff, and the only surviving one is the sheriff, and Superman literally knocks his head off. Later on, he comes, returns back to, he being the robot, returns back to the arcade where he, we are, it's, you know, the villain is revealed to be Toy Man, and he's literally holding his head in his hand, and <laughs> Toy, Man, Toy Man asks him, you know, oh, so I suppose you ran into Superman, and they pan down, and he's holding his head, and he uses his head to nod. The robot, <laughs> the robot nods with his head uh, in his hand, and then later on, when the robot reappears, uh, he's actually completely headless and uh, trying to attack Darcy and keep her from escaping. So, uh, yeah, there are definitely some some horror movie elements of that. There's a 
the the, the sort of uh, you know climax final battle between Superman and Toy Man, which ends up being between Superman and a and a video game, is uh, Toy Man is in this this you know, 35 foot high, high chair, basically the angles on that were, were, were done really, really well and made to make that look extremely creepy. And I, I think really the creepiest back-to-back scenes, well, one was one that you posted on our Instagram, which you can follow at DCAU review if you're not already doing so, but posted that earlier this week. And that's uh, this sort of scene. It's like a sepia toned, uh, in half in shadow or almost three quarters in shadow uh the mm-hmm. the reveal of toy man where he's talking about darcy very creepily and he's riding this horse and shooting these guns in the air it's very <laughs> very creepy um and then then the following scene once the cowboy returns the uh, the sheriff returns he has darcy's a robe in hand and and he hands it over to toy man and toy man creepily grabs it and yeah. just like smells it and it's it's so creepy yes don't tell me sheriff i can guess superman what's this oh darcy the ridgemont Room 1002. But it's, so it just, it does, you know, I talked about the, the Toy Man character being this horror movie-esque, you know, this plastered smile on his face that doesn't change. Um, and, but yeah, the, the, the fact that they made this guy into such a creep and really underlied the, the creepiness factor uh, in, in many, many scenes in, in this. Yeah, absolutely. That that scene you mentioned kind of really early on in the episode, it opens with him sort of completely in shadow and he's stroking the hair of this uh, sort of, I guess, regular sized Darcy doll. And then he sort of looks directly into the camera and, of course, and his face sort of comes out of the shadow as you as he reveals it. And uh, yeah, uh, that 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 is uh, there's just some really ominous uh, something just really ominous about that character and. The, the character design, as we mentioned in the, in the first episode, uh, Fun and Games, that we reviewed, is just such a striking design. And I, I totally agree with you, Cal. This is, this is, to me, like, this is what Toy Man should be if you want him to be, like, anything other than a kind of a punchline or a background character. Um, yeah, for sure. And uh, this, that's one of the things I think that this, this series was, was good at was kind of giving some of Superman's uh, rogues gallery a little bit of a shot in the arm in, Absolutely. in that way. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. There were and some, that, uh, we have some visual Easter eggs to talk about from this week, Liam. I, I'm, I, I assume that you probably pulled a couple of them. Uh, did, you, did you catch anything? Uh, the biggest one for me was uh, that in one of the puppets that is uh, cheering along with Toy Man uh, appeared to very much uh, resemble Scooby-Doo. All right. There you go. There's one. Uh, well, would you be surprised to hear that another superhero made a cameo in this episode? Oh, really? Yes. In fact, if you p- go back to the very first scene and a pan shot through the crowd, if you're not looking for it, you will miss it. But there's a pan shot through the crowd as Clark and that horn dog Jimmy Olsen are standing there. <laughs> 
they pan they pan past a gentleman wearing a red sweater with a yellow collar and these very very familiar eyes drawn and that would be a cameo by a young Billy Batson who huh. is one of the reporters standing in the crowd or at least it certainly very much appears to be Billy Batson uh, he has a little notebook that he's writing in also so uh, it, he doesn't appear to be like a like a nine-year-old child like maybe he's <laughs> Maybe he's 13 or 14, so I, I don't know if it's uh, if it's straight canon or if it's just a little nod, but uh, clearly, definitely supposed to be Billy Batson. Um, also, some of the models walking the runway, they use the same uh, character models uh, on the episode uh, Mean Seasons with Calendar Girl on the new Batman Adventures. Uh, a couple of the models actually happen to be Calendar Girl's henchmen. Uh, they end up being her Chippendale henchmen, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, Paul Dini makes a little visual, and I believe Eric Radomski was the other. Uh, they they actually take Darcy's robe from her as she's about to step on stage. Uh, so that was that that was another uh, another another visual Easter egg there. But uh, those are always super fun to to pull out here. But I, I think it's time that we talk about the main visual thing that uh, that we talked mentioned before, and that is the giant kangaroo. Now, if you recall, when we, <laughs> we last reviewed a Toy Man episode, we talked about the giant duck and just how fantastic the giant duck was. Yes, Liam, where do you stand on giant duck versus giant kangaroo um i i think i'm still gonna go with giant duck same um just because that scene was so much more epic it's you know it attacks uh, manheim's guy superman shows up they have this big grand fight um i just think it's it's more of an epic moment the kangaroo while still interesting like i said i i got a big kick out of them sort of playing the horror movie music and uh and using that sort of horror movie camera angle, but with this this cartoon kangaroo with this goofy little smile on its face, I thought that was clever. I thought some of the little weapon, like the, I, I mean, that was clever. The idea of him having the the pouch, the uh, you know, his, the, where he was gonna stuff Darcy when he kidnaps her, I thought that was clever. Um, I, I got a kick out of the end of that scene where the. <laughs> where we get like the snobby rich lady who parked in a handicapped space <laughs> or whatever. And the, the doorman's like, you can't park here. And she, you know, tells him off. And then immediately her car gets crushed by, by the falling <laughs> kangaroo. Uh, I, I got a big kick out of that. Um, I did enjoy the, the, the kangaroo and, uh, and some of the other visuals you already mentioned the cowboy and the spaceman and the, uh, the knight that we meet at the start of the episode, uh, but yeah, I, I think I'm still on I'm still on Team Duck for uh, as far as my favorite Toy Man weapons. Same. Uh, the duck rules. Uh, sorry, the 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 judges have ruled that duck is the victor. Uh, kangaroo, better luck next time. I do appreciate that the <laughs> kangaroo not only not only had a tail that he whipped and used like a real kangaroo uses, uh, but also he was wearing boxing gloves. So. Visually, it was at least it was at least uh, almost equal there. But that that duck sound also that you will never forget <laughs> gave it the uh, the other one. The, the the last thing visually that I wanted to talk about, uh, other than uh, I did notice that on the side of Lana Lang's or Lana Lang's building there was a uh, a mention of Gotham. So we know mm-hmm. that there. I mentioned last time on My Girl that it would have been interesting to see a a, a Bruce Lana romance happen. So. 
maybe they were laying the seeds here for that and it never never occurred but uh i what about the super clap liam (laughs) i literally in my notes no joke just wrote in all caps Super clap! Exclamation point. Same. It's so I, cool. I, I literally wrote the super clap! Exclamation point. <laughs> All caps. All caps. Super clap! Exclamation point. Uh, I love it. So so cool. Because um, we've established that Superman doesn't really use the super breath until Justice League it appears in mm-hmm. that I can remember anyway. Obviously, we haven't reviewed every single episode of Superman, but from my memory. He doesn't really use super breath in Superman the Animated Series. So when there's a big fire there, I'm like, well, is he going to do the big twisty thing that he does? Or what's what, how's he going to put it out? And instead, he just tells Lana to stand back and, and claps his hands together. And the sonic vibrations blow all of the fire out into the sky and it <laughs> dissipates. I thought that was... That was a really clever way because, I mean, good, goodness knows, even in just the episodes we've reviewed reviewed we've seen a lot of different ways of superman putting out fires and uh they actually came up with a completely unique one that i don't think i'd ever seen before yeah that was great um it made me wonder which reckless uh architect decided not to put to put sprinklers in this building <laughs> by the way it's a 30 story high rise with not a single sprinkler to be found but uh, yes, the super clap was fantastic and uh, just just really cool visualization. You see the you know all the windows blow out and the sonic boom occurs and it just just really really great stuff. Yeah, and then I guess the final little visual note uh, is uh, is the the fight between Superman and the Death Fist Ninja, which yes. I think it's a cool. I guess it's kind of a Mortal Kombat slash Power Ranger looking guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be a direct uh, homage to anything in particular, but uh, I, I find this interesting because obviously we haven't reviewed those episodes, but we have established that like luminous exists in this world. So there's like there is such a thing as like holograms that can punch you by this right. point in Superman. But like did, did Toy Man steal this technology from luminous or is or is. Is Luminous just like some a-hole and anybody with half a brain can make holograms that can, <laughs> can that can hit people in this universe? I mean, I, where the original technology came from, I, I don't know. But clearly, it does claim ownership uh, of creating Death Ninja because he says, enjoy my latest, pro- my latest toy, um, w- sounding like he was the person that created it. So mm-hmm. I... I, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe oh. Luminous is just a big dummy. I don't know. How's that for a fan theory? Maybe Toy Man really created all of Luminous's gear, and he just and he just stole it from the Toy Man at some point and was using it all this time. How's that for a fan theory? Uh, I, I, I mean, it makes as much sense as most fan theories do, so <laughs> I, I'm on board Pretty with rough. it. I'm ready to take that. I mean, and who's to say that that Darcy wasn't technology stolen from Carl Rossum? You know, all the androids yeah. are. I, I mean, she certainly had some visual visual uh, traits that look similar to the Rossum robot. So who who knows? Who knows? We would know for sure if she just answered, "I'm fine" to everything. <laughs> Good point. Uh, yeah, but I guess we can uh, we can give our scores here. Like I said, I really liked a lot of the visuals of this episode, Cal. And I, I gave it a very strong 9 out of 10. Uh, I gave it the exact same score, 9 out of 10. Um, 
you know, it's uh, it's strong. It's great. It didn't have any ducks in it, so that's the only reason <laughs> I didn't give it a perfect ten. <laughs> that's that's fair. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think the only thing that, I, as much as I think visually, I liked the Death Fist Ninja Toy Man having holograms didn't really fit with all like everything else he does is robots. So right. Just having this random like electrified uh, cage with a with a hologram that can punch you and can not only punch you but punch you hard enough to hurt superman uh was kind of i don't know it just didn't quite gel with the rest of the the toy man motif to me but yeah overall some just some great visuals all around and uh hashtag super clap love it all right and we can move on here cal to music music this week is by shirley walker herself and um, correct me if I'm wrong, but we don't have access to the soundtrack for this one, at least not the soundtrack alone. Yeah, another one. Yep. Unfortunately, another one that has not been released. Yeah. So uh, I only have uh, limited notes on music this week. Uh, as we mentioned, the Toy Man does have his own theme, and that, that sort of plays, as we mentioned, in that first scene where he's in, in shadow and is stroking the hair of the doll and all that. Um, it's sort of this really, it's again, this very ominous, creepy thing. It's just like piano and there's some xylophone in there and then like a, uh, a flute or something starts playing as it goes. It feels, it feels very much, I mean, you can tell, I think that it's Shirley Walker music just because it has a very, uh, a very like this, this could fit with like Mad Hatter or somebody too. Like it's a very, it's a very recognizable theme. Oh, Darcy, Darcy, so beautiful. Soon you'll be all mine. Yippee! Yeehaw! Yeah, absolutely. It's it's and it it's such a creepy. It adds to the creepy vibe. It really just fills. It's one of those musical pieces, like you would say, that fits Joker or Mr. Freeze or you know, uh, Clayface or whoever, any of those, mm-hmm. those themes that are, are trademarks of the villains themselves uh, that just kind of add that extra layer of character to the, to the villain. So I uh, totally agree. Another, another great piece shocker by the, uh, the late great Shirley Walker. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, like I said, I, because we don't have access to the, direct soundtracks it's hard uh, a lot a lot of other uh, fine music throughout the episode it kind of blends in the background a little bit but i did like the kind of uh techno fast-paced song uh, and like heavy drums that comes with the death fist ninja fight like there's some good video game-ish music in that scene allow me to introduce death fist ninja my latest game you won't find this in the stores Yes, there is. I did notice that as well. It it plays it up, and there's. Uh, I mean, I wish it would be one of those tracks that would be nice to hear in isolation to probably truly appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was the only other. That was the only other song that I sort of made note of uh, that sort of made any lasting impact uh, to me. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so for those reasons, like I said, I think there's some some uh, good stuff in there. You wish you could uh, kind of. <laughs> do your due diligence and be able to listen to it so 
as we have and will continue to say on every episode uh, to Warner Brothers, uh, La La Land Records, whoever we have to beg, uh, we'd love for you to release the full soundtracks for all of these DCAU shows so we could, uh, you know, better. First of all, we want to pay you. And second of all, we want to, you know, we want to be able to more fully appreciate the uh, the work put in by these uh, by these incredible composers and musicians. But uh, yeah, for all those reasons, I I gave music six out of ten. I, I like it and uh, uh, some standout moments, but uh, nothing necessarily that blew my mind. Yeah, I get I gave it seven out of ten, and again, I, I gave that based on the Toy Man theme and having heard it obviously in the prior prior episodes and everything that we just talked about as far as that being just the signature for that that character itself um i i when i think about this episode when i think about the toy man character i think about that theme and it uh it really creates that like i said that extra layer of depth for the character so uh, that's the reason why i gave it just a tick higher makes sense to me and that'll bring us to our final category here cal and that is, of course, a voice acting. We don't have a huge cast this week. It's mostly guest characters. Of course, we have uh, David Kaufman as the horn dog himself, Jimmy Olsen, <laughs> in, a, uh, in a minor role. But uh, aside, aside from him, we have uh, we have a few uh, notable guests. As we mentioned, Jolie Fisher returns as Lana. We just talked about her a couple weeks ago. Um, and we had a lot, of, a lot of good things to say about her in that episode. We don't really get a lot of her this time. You know, she's at the start of the episode sort of narrating the fashion show. And then she has this confrontation with Darcy. Um, but we don't we don't get as much as her. She's not as much of a focal point in this episode. Um, but uh, still, still nice to have her back. And, uh, and she does a fine job. Um, we have Nancy Travis playing Darcy, um, who has been in a, quite a few movies over the years. Uh, most recently, she's on that that show that that stars Tim Allen that's been on for like a decade but I don't know anyone who's watched it uh, it's been on like multiple networks it never gets canceled and yet like I've never met a single person who watches it but clearly people watch it because it's been on for like eight years right since it's definitely uh, in syndication now yeah so I mean good good you know more power to you if you like the show I've just personally I've never seen it, and I don't know anyone who has seen it, but I, I believe she plays the wife on that show. Okay. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I uh, again, she's uh, – a lot of her stuff is, is more robotic, I guess, which is probably by, by, uh, by intent. Um, uh, I, I like some of the stuff with her playing off a toy man, but I don't think she does, like, a great, great job either. Yeah, my, my... – I guess my critique is that it falls in the middle and maybe maybe I'm overthinking this that if like by falling in the middle it's like well she's she is a robot but she's sort of breaking her programming to become more human so it sounds it's leaning a little more human but it it I wish it was either one or the other or there was a stark contrast maybe between going back and forth between the two. I, I don't know, but it wasn't I was not blown away by the performance and I was just it was just kinda like, eh. It was okay. Yeah, yeah. Nothing nothing wrong with it necessarily, but nothing super stand out and because she's such a, a focal point of the episode, I think that brings it down a little bit. But 
we do have Bud Court returning as Toy Man, and he is pretty darn great in this episode. My gosh. Uh, yeah, he puts on a clinic for being creepy. Like I said, creepy AF. Uh, every mm-hmm. line that he delivers is great. Um, of course, they, they put a, a bit of a, uh, an effect on his voice just because it, you know, it sounds like he's talking inside of a, of a full helmet mask. Uh, sure. But it, I mean, every line that he delivers is just something creepy. Um, you know, he, he says at one point, uh, he, he's flying this helicopter and they're spying on the, the kangaroo as it attacked and attempted to capture Darcy. And he looks over in the passenger seat and he's talking to this, this stuffed (laughs) bear and he tells the bear, there's no need to curse Teddy. Him again. It appears we have a rival. Now, now, no need to curse Teddy. We'll take care of Superman in due time. Nobody's going to come between my Darcy and me. Um, but then he <laughs> follows that up with he follows that up with no one's going to come between me and my Darcy. Uh, I thought that was super creepy, as I already mentioned before, where he's talking to Darcy as she tries to pull the pull the trigger. He says, I know there's a place for you in my heart. I just have to find it. And then he revs up the revs up the, the drill part there. Um, you know, he's, he's just every line that he has is super creepy and delivered with such precise voice acting. It's, it's done so, so well. Um, you know, I, he really carries this episode. Agreed. And uh, just like his reactions at the end as, as Superman is kind of, outwitted him and starts to kind of guess the the next move that the the ninjas the next punch the ninja's gonna throw and, and toy man sort of realizes what's happening and you kind of hear the panic in his voice begin to build and yeah he does a a really really great job and uh, as as you mentioned this is his last appearance in superman the animated series but uh he did get to come back uh, one or two other times in uh, in other shows which i'm sure we'll cover down the line um but yeah, he does a just a, a great, great job, and uh, in this episode, and yeah, and before we get to the main event, just a note: starring as the Death Fist Ninja, uh, slash the the uh, uh, the guy who tries to help uh, Darcy with her bag at the end of the episode, uh, we have Townsend Coleman who. Uh, who folks might know uh, in his animated roles. He's done lots of voiceover work for you know major TV networks like NBC. But he's also the voice of, a, of another great big blue superhero. That, of <laughs> course, being the Tick animated series from the, uh, the mid-90s, a uh, show that holds a, a dear place in, in our hearts, I know, Cal. Yeah, maybe maybe one one week or month when we're doing Elseworlds, we'll do an, an Elseworlds tick review month because <laughs> that show that show is so funny and so way ahead of its time and so great and and Townsend Coleman is just like uh, he's a tremendous voice actor. Um, it's just very odd. Another one of those ones. It's like this guy is a very well known voice actor. He was obviously very very well-known especially Mm -hmm. during that period of time he was the he was the uh for my recollection the voice of must see tv nbc thursdays i believe he did like Mm -hmm. you mentioned 
you mentioned he did all their a lot of promo work for them. So this guy is a very famous voiceover actor. So it's another one of those where it's like, man, how did Andrea Romano decide or get call him up and say, hey, we need you to come in and be the voice of the of the the hologram that just literally <laughs> makes grunt grunting noises. <laughs> it's wild that that's uh, you know the, the favor she was able to call in here and there and. Uh, the the great talent she would pull in even for smaller roles is uh, is pretty wild. But uh, yeah, I, I got a kick out of that when uh, when I was looking over the the voice cast for this episode, and I went, oh yes, uh, of course, who else would be the voice of the of the grunts of the ninja? But uh, but well known voice actor Townsend Coleman. And then yeah, we have uh, we have Tim Daly as Superman. Um, he doesn't have a lot to do because as we mentioned, this episode focuses so much on Darcy and Toy Man and even Lana to an extent, but I do think he has some. I think Superman has some genuinely funny moments in here. Like we said, him him being so sort of sarcastic and dismissive of Horny Jimmy is really funny to me. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and I, I liked I liked seeing uh, Clark as the get to be a, a journalist, be a, a little bit of an investigator there, and him sort of going to Darcy's apartment and having this conversation with her. Um, I, I, I thought that was, uh, I thought, I thought he did a good job there. And then uh, maybe my, one of my favorite parts of the whole episode is uh, there's these two toy, large toy soldiers standing outside of uh, the arcade that uh, toy man is, is holed up in. And uh, they, they shout halt friend or foe when anyone walks up and <laughs> Superman walks in, they shoot at him. He, you know, blows them up with his heat vision. And then, Right after they shout friend or foe and he destroys them, he just goes, foe. Yeah, a little sass to him there, you know. He he destroyed those robots without any, they, you know, they're shooting bullets at him, so it was no big deal, and ran through and threw his little sassy sassy uh, <laughs> whip out there at them. But yeah, that was good. I had that one written down as well. Uh, he, he doesn't have a whole lot, uh, you know, a whole lot of heavy lifting uh, altogether. A lot of it's punching. A significant portion is the battle between him and the the Death Fist Ninja, but. Um, you know, overall, he does a good job. I, I, I think that this is a, this is, a, you know, this is obviously the third, third season. So he's had plenty of time to sort of work out the kinks in the Superman voice and get familiar with the character. And he seems right at home between, even between doing more Clark almost in this episode, I think, than he does Superman. So, uh, I would agree that this is a, this is a good, good performance by, by Tim Daly. Agreed. And uh, yeah, for all those reasons, like I said, I, I like most of this cast a whole, whole lot. Um, I gave voice acting nine out of 10 just because, like I said, I wasn't a huge fan of the Darcy performance. Again, not that she was terrible or anything, but I think play, especially playing off this incredible Toy Man performance, I just think if you had a little something with a little more oomph to it, it would have been really, really special. And uh, as it is, like I said, I think everybody's mostly very good, but uh, that one just took it down a little bit of a notch for me. 
Yeah, I I literally have the same score and literally for the same reason. Uh, <laughs> if you didn't know any better, you would think that we were we were related. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for that same reason. I think if Darcy's performance had been a little more consistent or a li- just a little bit like better because she was the main focal point of it, uh, especially that seems for Lana, it's obvious that for somebody as we mentioned. It was so impressive in her, her view in, in My Girl and having to kind of carry that, you know, just disposed against against Darcy. It's like, ugh, this is this is like night and day as far as the as far as the uh, the level of, of talent here, it seems, or at least the performance given, maybe not the level of talent, but the performance given for that that particular episode. So, uh, yeah, gave it a score nine out of ten. Well, there you go. And that will bring us to our final scores here. And tallying everything up this week, Cal, it looks like I have a final score of 30 out of 40 for this episode. Nice. Uh, I just have a tick tick higher there. Uh, I have a final score of 32 out of 40 for this week's episode. Well, very good. I would say I would give this a thumbs up for rewatchability, even though I think we both had some issues with the the structure, the payoff of that third act. Obviously, uh, not only Toy Man, but Darcy <laughs> comes back in a later uh, episode of a certain DCAU cartoon. So, I mean, this episode does have uh, some implications going forward for other episodes. And again, I think just for the fun Toy Man gadgets and for Bud Court's performance, I think even if this episode isn't a home run in every category, that kind of makes it worth watching again. Yeah, that too. I mean, plus we we mentioned that Paul Dini is one of the writers on this episode, and I mean, I mean, Paul's stories, even if they're they're not perfect, are always always entertaining at least, and uh, mm-hmm. the entertainment factor in this episode uh, sort of makes up, I think, where the where the plot may may fall a little bit short. So yeah, I would I would give this a, a thumbs up for rewatchability as well. Well, awesome, uh, and that will begin to wrap us up this weekend. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, If you happen to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, we thank you for that. If you're able to, uh, we would love for you to give us a review or or give us five stars. Uh, That does help us. It kind of bumps up our show in the all-important search algorithms. And, you know, we'd love love to have more people listening uh, and – We'd appreciate that if you, if you have the time. And uh, other than that, Cal, I guess it's time to wrap up and talk about what we'll be reviewing next week as we start a new month. Absolutely. And I have a feeling that they, if if the listeners had been following us on our social media accounts at DCA Review on Twitter and Facebook – on Twitter and Instagram, uh, they may have already had a clue as to what it is uh, we would be covering for next next month. Uh, but we are excited, Leanne, to talk about for the month of July, we will be going back to Dakota. That's right. In fact, this, this may not be a shock to the system if you have been paying attention to our social medias. But yes, we will be returning to the world of static shock for the month of July. We're excited to go back. We've only been there once before. And we'll be kicking it off with the season three premiere, Hard as Nails. Uh, there we go. Static, Static and Batman teaming up yet again. So uh, a fun way to kick it off. And uh, uh, I'm really excited to hear that little Romeo song. So uh, <laughs> a lot to look forward to. 
as we move into as we move back into Dakota City for uh, for another stay. But that will wrap us up for this week. Thank you everybody for listening. And until next week, I'm Liam. And I'm Cal. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.